Hello, everybody, and welcome to Below the Line, a podcast about indie filmmaking and other things as well, presented by the Lower East Side Film Festival. I am your host, Shannon Walker, and this is my co-host, Roxy Hunt. Hello. And please welcome our guest filmmaker, Matt Nelson. Hello. Who is the director of a main movie that will be playing June 11th at the Lower East Side Film Festival. Welcome, Matt. Hi. (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) So we like to start out the podcast talking about things that we've been consuming recently, books that we've liked, that we've read. Nobody ever chooses books, so movies or TV shows that we've been watching and liking uh, recently. I would like to start out start. <laughs> with giving a shout out to The Looming Tower on okay. Hulu, starring Jeff Daniels, fantastic actor. Um, and it is about the events leading up to September 11th, and basically how the CIA and the FBI could not communicate with each other. And it's about other things as well. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Very interesting. Check it out. Thank you. Roxy. (laughs) Um, I've been watching episodes starring Matt LeBlanc. It's on Netflix now. There's five seasons, so you can binge, like, the entire thing. Um, It's hilarious if you haven't seen it. It's, the premise is essentially that uh, these British writers had a successful show in the UK, and then it gets taken to Hollywood and completely ruined and torn apart, and, and they recast the lead person with Matt LeBlanc, and he plays himself. Um, and like you know he's obviously hasn't done much since Friends and whatever Uh, it's great it's a very like you know meta what about Joey well they talk about that briefly but yeah how that wasn't very successful Um, anyway it's great Uh, it's a it's a funny like you know behind the scenes type show you know where it's like about the industry and anyway it's no looming tower but (laughs) 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 it's good Um, what about you, Matt? What have you been consuming? I've been watching The Sopranos. Oh. Uh, I've never seen it before. Oh. Yeah, Me so either. I yeah. feel like I put it off for a while because there's six seasons, so it's so okay. many. Yeah. Um, what season are you on now? I'm in the third. Oh. The third season. It's what very good. Think? I think it's funnier than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be uh, just <laughs> a straight drama, sort of like, right. I w- I've seen The Wire and I've seen Breaking Bad, I was sort of expecting something like that, mm, yeah. but I think generally it's funnier and the performances are like more geared to comedy than I thought. Like, I like it even better than I thought it would, in a different way than I thought it would. A couple years ago, I rewatched the whole series for a second time, Damn. and I'm due, I think, to watch it again for no. a third time. <laughs> I've done this with Game of Thrones, too. I've watched the what? whole series twice, and I think before the second half of the final season. I have to watch. I have have so much time (laughs) on my hands. My days are 28 hours. Oh, Oh, damn. Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty neat. Well, let's get talking about a main movie, which, again, is June 11th at the Lower East Side Film Festival. Yep. It is filled with a bunch of comedians. True. So, well... (laughs) Tell us more about it. Tell us more about it. synopsis. I guess it's it's a movie about... uh, relationships as they I think when you're younger when you get in your first like long-term relationship those can get dragged out for longer than they maybe should run so you just feel nervous about ending anything and so I had one that was four years long and it was a good relationship and she's great but we weren't going to get married and it wasn't going to be for the rest of our lives but it went on four years and so that was sort of the starting point the first idea that I had to 
have one of those relationships that was going on for like way too long and they're both sort of out of it and then see that end early in the movie and then see how they deal with that after. Right. Um, and sort of the rest of the movie just sort of fell around that. So it's a group of friends that go up to a house in Maine. I think it's a relatively common premise. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but for us, it's a little more geared to comedy. Talk a little bit about the story and how the film has story by credit. So right, not right. written because the actors improvised a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the movie in general just came together pretty quick. I had written a different script that was maybe going to be shot in New York. Um, and when we got to work on that, it just seemed like it was going to be bigger, just overall bigger, like more more money than uh, we could afford and a lot of days and shooting in New York and it was going to be too tough to pull off when we wanted to. So we sort of shifted and it's like, what's something that we can do simply and shoot quick uh, with the people that we know and do something this summer? And so I think from like idea to shooting was probably two months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So I've done improv for a long time, and mostly people I know are comedians first and, like, actors second, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, so it made sense to, to write something based on an outline and then improvise from that. But it's a little different uh, improv style versus, like, the, like, mumblecore stuff that's much more, like, dramatic, and then comedy might maybe come second. We're going more for, like, comedy first, and then the story sort of holds the dramatic tension throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, so that line was about 40 script pages. So I guess about half the length that it would be for a normal script. Mm-hmm. Um, what did it look like on the page? Were you, were you like, this scene with these characters and something like this happens? Exactly, yeah. So, so yeah, all the, uh-huh. the beats are there. Um, uh-huh. And then different scenes, like there was like sample dialogue or things that I thought might work in the scene or things that it's like, if we hit this line, we're on the right pace mm-hmm. and there's other stuff there's like a dinner scene that was basically entirely improvised um we did two 30 minute takes mm. um and then sort of found it and like two basically wide 30 minute takes once we knew what we were doing we came in closer for tighter shots and then sort of cut that together mm. to make what i think is about an eight minute scene um and we shot in seven days so a fair amount of the movie is like that it's not the kirby enthusiasm like hone it, like you start with improv, but then you hone the scene, and it sort of takes longer to shoot that way than it would a normal movie. Mm-hmm. For us, we're just, every take is printed, like you're, wow. you're, you're moving forward. So we might only do four or five takes total, even with coverage in a scene. Mm-hmm. And then those get put together to make the final cut. Obviously, there, you see some great performances come out of, of the improv, but were there any challenges being not restricted to a script and kind of having that more of like loose format. Yeah, I think overall the challenge is length, mm-hmm. um, which I think is why it works well to do that. Like Kirby enthusiasm, you start and the scene's going to be very long mm-hmm. and you just sort of cut stuff and break it down and eventually you end up at like a normal length scene. Right. Um, so the challenge shooting as quickly as we did, you know, a one minute scene becomes seven minutes. Right. Uh, especially with funny people where like you can be funny for seven minutes around a table yeah. and that's sort of what everyone's used to doing on stage. Right. So when we get into the editing room, the big challenge is to just like cut stuff and make the scenes like an appropriate length. Right. But then with improv and not great continuity, uh, you end up with less like classical editing and more like puzzle pieces. Right. And so it's like, okay, this can fit with this and then this can fit with this. And then you sort of just like work together and it's like, here is a version of this scene that works. Right. How many 
crew members did you have? And did you all stay in the house that it's filmed in? So we had, I guess, six crew. So we had uh, me, uh, DP, assistant camera, gaffer, sound mixer, boom op, and then uh, production manager and a PA. Wow. So is that seven? I think that was more. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was more. <laughs> when we, uh, really when we replay the tape, I'll yeah, be yeah. Sure You guys yeah. can just cut in yeah. seven. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, pretty intimate. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was it was tight, um, and we mostly stayed in the house. We also rented like a little cottage. There's like this like hotel where they have cottages behind the house. That's like right up on the beach, um, and a few of the actors stayed there. Cool. Um, but that was like a three minute drive, so we're pretty much all in that one area. So, were there any happy accidents? I mean, even though the film is a lot improv, so mm-hmm. it's filled with happy accidents. Which, uh, but were there anything anything or any moments that happened that you remember that you were like, oh, God, so cool that this happened and it's going to... Or challenges that yeah, you... Yeah, for sure. There's, there's one scene um, in the script. Gary's character... Um, is supposed to be like he wants to be a good cook, but he's not very good at it. Mm. Uh, so he's making dinner one night, I think I know it's and my right character uh, brings back lobsters because we're in Maine. It sort of throws off his whole dinner plan. Um, and so in the script, he was just supposed to like make his dinner, and then also he's going to cook the lobsters. So it's supposed to be just like a sort of fifteen second shot where he drops a lobster in a pot. Um, and as we're about to film on it. Gary's like, I don't think I can do the lobsters. Like, I'm not sure. I've never, like, cooked lobsters before, and they like, I don't really want to pick it up, and I'm not sure I can, like, do it. I'll try, but, like, if I can't, like, can other people come in and help me? <laughs> uh, and so that... Meaning, like, he didn't want to do it emotionally, or... <laughs> he, he didn't expand too much on it, but he just was challenged with it. Like, he, like, just couldn't do it right. he like wanted to try but he didn't want to like he couldn't like murder a lobster yeah like, or he generally water. just seemed afraid of the claws right. like afraid <laughs> that the lobster's gonna get him so i think it was a mix of like not not wanting to kill it mm-hmm. and being physically afraid of it right and those two put together he's treating it like a back handspring like i don't know if i can do it but <laughs> yes like, i would like to try yeah i would yeah. like to do it <laughs> can i get a spot is <laughs> yeah so that ended up being like a 13 minute take. So it went from 15 seconds to 13 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and everyone came in and improvised around him and like helped him. Mm-hmm. And we cooked all the lobsters. Um, I won't say if Gary did it or not. Mm-hmm. You guys can oh, find out. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, uh, I love how you're exploiting, how you exploited his fear and insecurity <laughs> for, for the for film. The for the sake of art. For the sake of I art. I love that. Um, yeah, so yeah, that, so that was probably the biggest surprise. Just that was really not intended to be that long a scene Mm -hmm. and I would say off the top of my head there's one scene that we did in a a one take that's sort of through the house it's like a four minute scene and it goes like in and out of the house and sort of like the big scene for the movie Um, and that just went way better than I thought it was I, I would say overall the surprise was like the level of the performances so the actors, like, we all know each other. Uh, I didn't know Jessica before we went up there. So that was the only actor that I don't know, that I didn't know pretty well. Mm-hmm. And we've all, uh, like, been on the same stages and in the same, same shows together. So everyone knows each other pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I was expecting, like, everyone to be comfortable. But right. that scene, like, everyone needs to be on in this one huge movement through the house. And, like, everything from camera to actors has to 
be together because it's one take. Right. Uh, and that went extremely well. I, the first take, I was like, this is going to be a disaster, and then we'll figure it out. And the first one worked. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's a good segue into what I want to talk about now, which is your background and how you got into filmmaking. Because mm-hmm. I read on your website that you were formerly a mechanical engineer. That's true, yeah. And so can you talk about how you got into improv and then how you got into filmmaking or if one came first and one came second. But Yeah, so I, I started doing improv in high school. And then when I went to college, I went to college for mechanical engineering. Mm-hmm. And then I also joined the improv group there. And that was probably when I first started doing more shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that all through college. It wasn't like a ton of shows. We do like once a month and then we practice a couple times a week. Did you grow up on the West Coast? Uh, I grew up back and forth. So mm-hmm. my dad is on the West Coast in the Bay Area and my mom is in Connecticut in Waterbury. Mm-hmm. Um, and where, so, where did you go to school? I went to school at Bucknell. Oh. It's in Pennsylvania. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so I studied mechanical engineering there and then did comedy. But in college, I, f- I know a bunch of people that w- were on these comedy teams in, in college and everyone is now doing comedy, or a lot of people are. For me, that wasn't the case. Almost no one that I did improv with in college is still doing comedy. Um, so I got an engineering degree and moved to California to work as a pipeline engineer. Oh. Um, so I moved to San Francisco and did that for like six months and then started to want to perform again. So I took a couple improv classes just like to do it like on the side with engineering. <laughs> and then I fell in with this theater that was just starting. And eventually I ended up teaching there and performing there and co-owning that theater in wow. San Francisco. Amazing. Um, and after three years of that, I was very tired and it was too, <laughs> I was way too busy. Yeah. And so it was either like drop the engineering or drop the comedy. Yeah. And so I quit engineering um, there and I moved to New York. Wow. How long have you been in New York for? For four and a half years. Oh. Where do you live? I live not far from where we are right now. <laughs> Secret. It's undisclosed uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, Yeah, I live in uh, East Williamsburg. I, I, guess. I don't know the neighborhoods that well. I don't know New York. They change every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So every I think day. it's East, but it might just be regular, you know? Yeah, East when you exit right. yeah. this studio... It'll have a whole new name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just the nature. Nice. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've been here for four years. I worked as an engineer for three. Actually, when I made this movie, I mean, that's how we made it. I just worked more hours as an engineer, and that was the budget for the what movie. What is pipeline engineering? Um, so I did natural gas pipelines in, um, like, more resident, not residential, but, like, in, uh, like, lo- more local transmission pipelines hmm. so I, I worked on the pipelines that run from san jose to san francisco wow. so basically did like computer models of the pipelines to make sure there's enough natural gas for all the customers are there any similarities in pipeline engineering and filmmaking great question Rex. <laughs> I, I would say they're it, they're way more similar than comedy and filmmaking yeah. like i think pipeline specifically pipeline construction is almost identical to filmmaking in a lot of ways structure well, let him answer. Oh, sorry. You're not a mechanical engineer. <laughs> sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, you start with uh, a desire to do a certain project. You draw plans for that project, and then you bring together people that can do that can execute your plans. So for pipelines, that's like digging crews and welders. You need permits. Um, you need a fair amount of money because it's pretty expensive to get all those people together. Um, and so with filmmaking, it's also you have to, you know, you have a plan, you 
put together a script for the project and then you bring on a crew. Yeah, I would say they're 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 pretty similar. I was hoping for some more, you know, like pipeline puns that have oh. to do with Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you, can't, you can't put you a know, pipeline like, engineer on the spot. <laughs> like, you know, laying down the foundation or the oh, proxy. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, the, the filming trench is like, yeah, so laying, you have to, you have to dig an area to put your project. Oh. And that is what is most important. Yeah. How'd that feel, Rex? Right? That, that, that was good for you. And you have the different pieces and you, you join them together, you weld them together. Uh. And eventually that is a film that can be watched. Yeah. <laughs> My fun fact this week is about Seinfeld. Now, just like you had never seen The Sopranos, I've never seen Seinfeld. Get out. <laughs> because in my household growing up, uh, Jeopardy was on at the same time. Oh. My Also, my parents were pretty strict, so they didn't want us watching TV shows well, yeah, for adults. So we watched Jeopardy at 7.30 when Seinfeld reruns were on. Any hoosks. Um, I started watching Seinfeld as of yesterday. And I watched... <laughs> I watched just the pilot, oh, and the worst one. Uh, Elaine's not in it. No, and there's and this... George is like weirdly um, cooler in the pilot. Like yes, also the, like... isn't the waiter a big? Yep, that's my fun fact, Matt. Oh, oh damn. thanks okay. for no, it's no, okay. It? Thanks for setting thanks for setting it up. <laughs> yeah, so... I, yeah, that was me setting it up. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. So the waitress was supposed to be so Elaine's not in the pilot, and this waitress was supposed to be the female uh, presence of the show. And after they shot the pilot, the actress that played that waitress had like what said to Larry David, like, I think we should do this, and I think we should do this and that and this and this and that with the character. And Larry David was like, no, 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 no. And then I think it got heated, and then that actress ended up saying, like, I could write a better script than you. Ooh. So Larry David was like, bye. Bye. <laughs> and Did she go on to, to write uh, she, something as She wrote Titanic. I, she wrote Titanic. Yeah. You know, I don't think she oh. did. I don't think she did. Let's check in on her later. Let's check in on her. <laughs> I just hope she, every day she must wake up and be like, I could have had that Seinfeld money. Because the person who did not need Seinfeld money was certainly Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. She did not. She did not, but that's my fun fact. Also, uh, Seinfeld was offered $5 million per episode after he went to NBC and said, we think we should end this series. And at that time, he was getting $1 million per episode. What season was that at? Um, well, what, they ended at 9 or ended yeah, at 10? Yeah, so that would have been for 10. For I think, a, for a I think season it ended 10. at 9, yeah. So NBC said, how about we give you $5 million an episode to keep it going? And, and he like, said, no. It was good to end yeah. it where it did. Yeah. Once, uh, you know, in three years from now when you're done watching it yep. all. Um, <laughs> yeah. When you get to the ninth season. You know I'm going to finish it quickly if I've see. watched The Sopranos twice in my lifetime. And yeah. Game That's of Thrones true. twice yeah, you've got in a lot my of lifetime. Time. I've got um, so, 28 hours a day. Carve out some Seinfeld time. Yeah. Good yeah, fact. A, the TV finale is like, I feel like that one is like not a great no, finale, it's but it's still sad. Ever. And you know what the irony is? That's the only episode of Seinfeld my parents let me watch. The finale? Yes! Oh, really? How bananas is that? How upside no down? How you? upside down is that? 
TV finales are so sad though, because you see like it's like the end of the era for all those people. Like they work on it for that show like nine years. Right. So I feel like even when they're not great, they're still like yeah. they still make me sad because oh, you're yeah. like watching these people end it's a huge part of their super life. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's your fun fact, Matt? Oh, uh, you know, I went to see Solo. Uh, the Star Wars movie? Oh, oh right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just pictured, when you said that, I pictured a red Solo cup. Oh, head. yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was reading about Star Wars after that. Uh-huh. Um, and so I guess my fun fact, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's that fun, but it's interesting. Is <laughs> we'll, it the same? We'll you know? decide. All right, cool. Yeah, because it's not fun, you just go, not fun. Um, <laughs> So George Lucas is sort of an experimental filmmaker when he starts, or more experimental, uh, when he is going to go shoot Star Wars. Mm -hmm. He's also sort of a young guy, and so they get this older British cinematographer. I think he shot Dr. Strangelove. Mm -hmm. And like this guy just sort of like guide the process of actually getting the film shot, because they're going to shoot in Tunisia, I think, and like a bunch of like crazy places, Mm -hmm. and spend a lot of money. And so on the first day, George Lucas wants his vision of like how the movie should look is pretty crazy and like a ton of stuff in front of the camera like sort of like stockings over the lens and a bunch of filters and all this like weird stuff around the camera and the dp is like not gonna do that (laughs) it's like i'm gonna shoot it normal (laughs) and uh, (laughs) i'm for sure not gonna do what you're asking and so they got into these huge fights and the studio ended up backing the dp and so it has this look that's like pretty classic but not what was necessarily intended that is, that a, is a fun. I think it's fun. I thought it was also interesting. So fun nice. and interesting. Fun and yeah. interesting. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, two for two. Cool. <laughs> Roxy. Um, since we were talking about Seinfeld, I don't know if you guys are aware of the Brooklyn Cyclones. Sure am. Um, obsession with Seinfeld. Oh no. So the Brooklyn Cyclones are a Brooklyn baseball team. Basically, they had they they sort of like started acknowledging a connection between baseball and Seinfeld. I mean, there's a... It, it, once you start watching Shannon, you will see. He loves the Mets. Uh, no, Seinfeld. they love the Yankees. Oh, well, in the pilot, which is the only episode I've seen, the pilot and the finale, he well, loves I the Mets. Well, I guess technically he's... He goes to both. I don't know. There's a Mets yeah, I don't poster yeah. in his apartment. There's a, That's true. Keith Hernandez, Keith Hernandez is a big part of it. Yeah. He's so a famous Mets right. player. Yeah, but he, they definitely yeah. go to Yankee games too. I mean, George works for the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, that, oh, that might be what it anyway, is. Anyway, yeah. there's a baseball connection, <laughs> and so the Cyclones have started celebrating that, and um, they started doing this thing where, like, the first day of the season, the first like two thousand fans in attendance receive like a Keith Hernandez bobblehead or like a Soup Nazi bobblehead. Or, and it just sort of like went on from there and basically became like a Seinfeld convention with like baseball in the background. Mm. Um, and so Whoa. like, uh, I don't know if they're doing it or if they did it this year, but um, there was like a Jackie Childs limited edition bobblehead. Um, there was like all kinds of like Elaine dancing contests and like all kinds of stuff. Like thousands and thousands of fans will come and I've never been and I've always wanted to go, but I don't know if they still do it anymore. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like, I think in a way, like lifted up the Cyclones ticket sales quite a bit because they started to like embrace the Seinfeld connection and just get people to come to the games, like by giving away bobbleheads of Seinfeld stuff. 
So, yeah, you know, smart business move. Maybe we do that for the film festival. Sure. <laughs> cool. That was a great fact. Wow. That was a great that was fact. That was more like a rambling story that may or may not be true. Yeah. But I, I learned. I thought it was neither fun nor interesting. Or a fact. But it was. <laughs> it was certainly. <laughs> no, I had a blast with it. Monday, June 11th, so definitely get tickets. If you're listening to this in the future, after the film has already premiered at the festival, um, what are, tell us any future plans for the film after this, or are you just thinking about this week? Oh yeah, most of this week. Uh, we finished we finished the movie, which was good. Uh, and then, yeah, hopefully people can see it. I mean, it'll probably be up online at some point. Sure. I feel like that's where movies go now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, check on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Thank you, Matt.